Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. Welcome back to Sales Velocity TV. I'm Andrew Cass. That's Aaron Parkinson. And we have a great one here for you today on the anatomy of a perfect sales call. Aaron, Happy New Year. At the time of this, it's our first 2021 show. Happy New Year to you, my friend, and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Good to be back. And, and regardless of when you may be watching this, my guess is in your business right now, you are either making sales on a presentation of some kind or someone on your team is doing it. I guess that's a loaded comment. If you're not making sales right now on some sort of a formal presentation or someone on your team isn't, you're probably not doing much business. So this is going to be really important today because this is going to drive your revenue and ultimately determine how much money and profit you make in your business is structuring a sales process, but really specifically today, a sales call, a presentation, a demo. So important today, Aaron, because we've become a Zoom society since 2020, right? Since the whole pandemic pushed everyone online. Now we're a Zoom culture. We're a presentation culture, mainly virtual. Most people aren't presenting live these days. So when you crack the code on how you get this presentation right, it can transfer beautifully to a in-person presentation and a from stage presentation, even a webinar. But we're only going to dig in today, I think, Aaron, on the one-on-one -on -one presentation, right? How to collect the decision, maybe some of the psychology that's involved with making the presentation, collecting money, I think we're going to talk about. Where does that fit in? So we're going to cover a lot of good ground today to maybe help you get a little bit more crisp with your presentation. Absolutely. And I think this is the, you know, the thing that most people are afraid of. You know, most people are, are, they fear the sales process. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that, that they think that, that sales is taking from somebody versus understand that it's giving to somebody and, and providing them with the greatest opportunity possible. If in fact the product that you have is good, you know, but it's about breaking down the resistance and establishing authority and, and many other different triggers that allow it to be a smooth replicatable, duplicatable process that you don't fear, you actually look forward to. Right. Where at the end of the day, I, I always look at sales presentations today, if, whether I'm making them or whether I've done them in the past, as just good quality conversations. Absolutely. Right? So sometimes when you go into a sales call, we'll call it, again, call, demo, presentation, doesn't really make a difference, but whatever your mechanism is, if you can sort of get out of the mindset of thinking it's a sales call, so let's talk language and framing it first, right? Just in our own heads. Right? Sometimes we have to kind of get unstuck in our own heads first, Aaron, right? before we can actually do anything effective when it comes to selling or presenting. And I think the first way to undo that feeling is don't look at it as a sales call or a pitch. Right? We're, we're, we're kind of wired to call it a sales call or a pitch, but really it, it, should, be, it should be just a conversation. Right? I'm going to have maybe a sales conversation or I'm going to have a, a conversation about seeing if my products and services are a fit. And just getting out of the, the I, I think the, the mindset of calling it a pitch or a sales call can really help you just drop some emotional attachment that comes with those calls, in, in my view. Yeah, and the way that I have it framed in my head, and I think it's something that you have, have to evolve into, is that I'm only trying to decipher two things. One, 
do I believe what I have can legitimately help this person? So I'm trying to figure out if that's the case. Where are they at? What do they need? And, and what do, do what I offer provide a solution to that person? So that's the first part of it. And then the second part I'm trying to define is, is this person my ideal client avatar? You know, for me, I always, you know, make a decision on whether I'm going to bring a client on based on one, do I think I can help them? Yep. Two, do I like them as a human being? Right. And three, do they meet my core values? So when I'm going into a sales call, I'm not approaching it like, okay, today I'm going to close this person. Yeah. I'm approaching it from the mental perspective of a, do I think I can help this person? I need to evaluate if that actually is a reality. And two, do they qualify in, in, in my standards or my filters as a good client for me. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's a two part thing. And if you come at it from that perspective, then you put significantly less pressure on yourself right. to close the sale. And quite frankly, you eliminate probably a majority of the people that you even should be doing business with because you, you, you feel like, like it's either a win or loss scenario, either mm -hmm. I close them or I lost. And that's where I was going in the beginning of disconnecting yourself from thinking it's this awkward closing scenario that you need to get to in the call, where really at the end of the day, you're seeing if you guys are a fit for each other. You're seeing if you are a fit for them, and they're most likely seeing uh, if, if you're a fit for them you're, and they're a fit for you. And that's that's the best way to look at it, in my view. And let's talk about some of these frameworks. So again, today, most people are presenting by Zoom today. I have a, a bunch of clients and their main mechanism is, you know, just looking at looking at some of the you know, the people that have high closing ratios. Anything we've done, we, we we usually have high closing ratios. And today, that main mechanism is on a Zoom session, almost like what we're doing right now, one to one, could be one to many. Um, so there's a couple of things that we have to get in order here. It's not just about the psychology and the scripting and the actual closing. There's a technology piece here now as well, right? Doing being on camera sometimes is a tricky thing for people. So we we'll talk a little bit later on about you know, maybe structuring the way that you are, the, the, the perception that you're giving when you're on screen as well. Because remember, if you're doing a Zoom, they can see you. The old school people, you can't, you, you're on the phone, you weren't able to be seen, so you could kind of hang out in your underwear and make a sales call. Well, now it's, people are expecting to be seen now due to this Zoom culture we've become. So now you have a, you know, now there's a body language element at play here, which is a little bit different than years past where you could get away with just being on the phone perhaps. Yeah, I, I think that's a great place to start because, you know, I met with a, you know, a potential client probably four or five months ago. Um, and for some reason they were in their office, which was rare at the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, the first thing the guy said to me is I, you know, I appreciate the background and the mic and the lighting and the, all these other things that you've got in place because I'm so sick and tired of seeing people, you know, in some bedroom with their clothes all over the floor. Exactly. And the lighting is crap. He said, you know, everybody got to have you know, a grace period when COVID hit and everybody they, had they, to they got a month. They got a month. Yeah. At best. Whether, yeah, maybe a month, yeah. maybe two months. You got a grace period. After that, enough is enough. You got to look the part. You need to show okay. up with intention now. Yeah. Because how much attention you show to your own detail gives them an inside understanding of how much attention you're going to give, you know, to their business. Exactly. So, you know, you bring up a great point about the technology. Let's, you know, the, the, what, what you look like, how you're perceived. The number one thing that, that I hate, and I know that my clients hate is bad audio. There's nothing right? worse than bad so, audio. So funny. You just said that, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be on 
doing Zoom meetings, for example, go invest a hundred bucks in getting a decent mic. If you're if you're using your internal mic off your computer, it sounds terrible. It it it's it's very amateur. It shows right away. Right? It's so, echoey. It's awkward. It changes the way. Listen, we're going to talk about tonality here in a minute. Tonality is everything. Right now, I'm having tonality. I can go really high or I can go really low, but that tonality is a really important piece of the puzzle when it comes to persuasion. Not that there's a big persuasion play here, but tonality is important. It's funny you said that. I was laughing about the audio, Aaron. I watch CNBC in the morning when I'm getting ready. I like to see what's going on with companies and CEO interviews and all that cool stuff that's going on in, in business, right? And it's like every once in a while, about every third person that comes on CNBC as a guest rolls in. This is national TV now. This is the number one financial news network on the planet Earth by, by, by far. They roll in with no mic. It's all echoey. You can tell they're talking to their computer. And I'm like, you just got invited to probably the greatest stage ever to position you and your brand. And you can't even grab even the AirPods from Apple that hang down with the little mic are pretty damn good. You can't yeah. even put that on. I'm listening to this roaring echo from your office or your home office. And you're on CNBC. So right off the bat, I'm like, that person didn't think about being that thorough, being on national TV. So even though they're not thinking it, they're thinking it, right? That is well, careless and, and, and it's, it, it's careless and it's not thoughtful. Yeah. And subconsciously, the prospect's picking up on it, whether they that, say it or not. Even right? if it's unconscious, so, right? You know, it, it, it literally, you can go to, you can go to Best Buy, you can go to Amazon. I mean, anybody can go anywhere and pick up a hundred dollar mic in five seconds there's absolutely zero excuse for amateur hour zero. echoing shitty audio yep. going through your computer. So that's number one is audio. Number two is video. And now you have these cool Zoom backgrounds today. I'm on a green screen background. You're on a real background. But we can't tell the difference, right? Because we, we know what we're doing with cameras and, and lights and audio. It's a whole different thing. You don't need to turn it into a studio. But heck, you should be pretty damn close if these are revenue-producing conversations. I would want to have everything rigged in my favor. Audio scenery. My, I, have, I have probably close to a $1,000 camera on me right now, crystal clear, because most of my business runs off the camera today. And if you're making sales presentations, if your team is making sales presentations and they're, they're, they're remote, let's say, maybe they're not on premises, you're going to need to get this right for your team too, because these are the little things that will work against you or work for you in the early stages of the presentation when you first come on and you begin the conversation. Is the tech right? Have they thoughtfully put together an environment where we can have a quality conversation? That's what they're thinking, even if they're not thinking it. Absolutely, and they're going through this checklist in their head, trying to establish whether or not you are an authority, whether you are credible. Right. I mean, the great thing about Zoom, like you said, is that they offer virtual backgrounds. Oh, they're beautiful. So if your background looks terrible, put it into a background that looks good. If you want to go the next step, you can get them online for free, Aaron. I think they like there's like Zoom free downloadable backgrounds or whatever. Absolutely, you went a step further and got a green screen. You oh, know, we're doing a show, so it's a little different, but yeah, you're right. You know, and it's beautiful. It's got the brick background. It looks cool. You like you my know. brick? That's real brick, by the way. A whole brick house back there. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> you like my brick house? <laughs> <laughs> and and for me, like I'm in my office where I've just got a fairly simple background with a big piece of art, but it looks. That is, by the way, uh, Aaron Parkinson's signature, signature background. I mean, he's been running, it's, it's real, by the way, and it looks great. Yep. Signature background, 
it's 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 like a staple. Like there is no Aaron on Zoom without that yellow painting in the background. If you ever lose that yellow painting, buddy, you're in trouble. Like your whole brand just <laughs> falls down the toilet, dude. Well, and the funny thing is, is that this painting um, I got ten years ago, and it was I remember, uh, I remember, it was painted by a guy that that he was in the same art class as John Lennon, and they were painting side by side. So I love the story, ah. you know, and and it's and it's these musicians playing trumpets and stuff, and I kind of feel like we're always making music and art and everything we do. So you know, it resonates with me. And that just I, made your background so much better, the John Lennon thing. I didn't know that piece. I just knew you got it a long time ago, and I knew it was like a a meaningful piece of art, but. I didn't know about the whole John Lennon thing. That makes that makes this thing vintage now. Yeah, it's vintage for vintage. sure. My wife actually wanted to sell it when we moved houses, and and she didn't want to pack it all the way to the Cayman Islands. Oh my said, god, that could have been a divorce, dude. Chance. That could have been a divorce. That's grounds for divorce right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, you know, the, the the other nice thing about Zoom, if you don't know, is that you can go into Zoom, and there's actually a feature that can improve the visual of your face. It can actually smooth out the lines in your face. I can't remember exactly what the feature is. Really? I didn't know that. You can, you can click on it. You go into the settings, you'll find it. And it actually like makes you look like five years younger because it kind of like does this professional smoothing out of your face. So use everything at your disposal. Everything. You know, what, what we don't want to see is we don't want to see a dark room with all your laundry piled up, with bad echoing audio, with no light. We can't see your face. You got kids running around in the background. Everybody gave that grace period of kids running around in the background for the first three months. It's out now. It's unacceptable behavior at yeah, this juncture. Agreed. Agreed. And, and again, not to belabor the tech point, but remember, you never get a second chance to make a first impression, as cliche as that sounds. And when you're showing up on a Zoom session, maybe you're meeting this potential client or prospect for the first time, that is you being sized up. That is your first impression. So just like meeting someone in person, just like taking a stage, you have that 30 to six, not even 30 seconds, it's probably 10 seconds, right? You have 10 seconds or less for that person to go, wow, pretty sharp. Nice Absolutely. setup. Sounds good, looks good, looks great, great. So checkbox, checkbox, checkbox on presentation and showing up. Big. And, and this is something that you only have to set up one time. I mean, if yeah. you want to go all out like you did, I mean, you're in with the with the camera and the mic in the background or whatever, probably cost you 1500 bucks. It looks impeccable. You're going to go and do a, a bazillion sales calls over the next two years. I mean, what, what is that investment? You know, it's nothing. Well said. That's, ex that's about exactly what it was. And if you could see my setup right here, I mean, I even have the, the li uh, last thing I want to talk about is lighting, right? So there's audio, there's video, and then there's lighting. Those are the big three, right? Audio is number one because sound is everything. If you can't hear you, you can't, you can't do anything, right? Um, the video thing is big. It's, a, it, it's, you know, upgrading to a non- computer-based camera makes a lot of sense. An HD camera, there's a million options out there. I have a great Sony one right here that's HD, high quality. Had a guy come in and do the full set. I, I don't even, I'm not good with tech. Like, I'm, I'm good with online tech, but I'm not good with hardware tech. Like, I'm the kind of guy, Aaron, that when the cable come, when cable gets hooked up, I won't even plug the wire in. Like, I will call my guy to come over just to plug the wire into the HD, whatever box it is. Like, my Fire Stick from Amazon, you know that's like just plug in the HDMI and it's done? I had a guy come in to plug in the HDMI to make it done. That's the guy <laughs> That's the guy I am. I don't even want to chance it because I feel like it's kryptonite. And I know a lot of people feel that way. So somebody yeah. can come in and do this for you. Somebody. Yeah, somebody can come in and do this for you. What is that worth? But lighting, right? I'll make a great recommendation here. There are these cool lights that obviously they've blown up during the COVID era, right? Called Loom Cubes, L-U-M-E Cube. I have two Loom Cube lights right here. Aaron, the lights are exactly the size of an iPhone. Picture this as the light on a stand. 
right? That size, about the size of the phone held horizontally. I have one to my left and one to my right. They're called Loom Cubes. You can just Google them. They're like $100 a piece. And what that does is it gives you lighting on both sides, or you could do one straight ahead because the lighting is going to be critical because you don't want to look all blurry and fuzzy. And even if you do one of those backgrounds, those zoom backgrounds, sometimes they display well, sometimes they don't based on what's behind you and based on what's in front of you. So there's some little things you want to think about as you're making your winning presentation, wherever that may be. Again, on a one-to-many, one-to-one, but most likely you're doing some kind of Skype or Zoom presentation today in your business. Again, like I said in the beginning, if you're not, then you're probably not doing much business. So that's why this is such a critical thing to get right. A, your environment first. B, now the conversation can probably get off to a great start because all of that's handled, right? Absolutely. And, and our lighting's a little bit different because I'm in a, my, my office is all glass. So, you know, I have a lot of natural light in here, but it doesn't change the fact that I still put a ring light on mm. a stand behind my computer to make sure that the light is even coming from the top. And you can play with that a little bit until you feel like you've got the right mixture. And once it's set up once, you're good. Yep. You're good to go. Agreed. So now let's, let's talk psychology, right? Let's move into where do you want to go next, Aaron, on the opening of the session, well, I, the I rapport really building. You have, to, you have to establish what it is that you're trying to portray. And we kind of go back to that checkbox analogy again is, is people are doing mental checks inside of their head of like, does this person have experience? Do they have the answer to my question? Are they trustworthy? Do, are they going to care about, you know, my business as me as the customer? Have they done this before? Yep. You know, these are all the things that they're checking, you know, inside of their brain. And, and, and obviously there's a, 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 a template, a process that allows this to happen you know, smoothly and relatively easily. And, and for me, I like to break the, the sales call process into three stages, pre-call, sales call, post-call, mm. right? And, and not everybody may necessarily require a post-call. That will often be defined by the complexity of your offer and most importantly, the pricing of your offer. But we'll get into that in a second. So Let's talk about the psychology of somebody who comes to you either as a, a cold lead or as a referral. If they're a cold lead or a referral, they know a little bit about you because of what they consumed before they got there, either from the person who referred them or from a cold lead, but they're still quite in the dark, mm -hmm. right? We want to eliminate as much of that friction as we can from the moment that they book a call with us to the time they show up for the call. So for me, what I often you know, suggest to my clients is we, we ideally they're not booking a call closer than two days, you know, ahead on your schedule. And the reason why is I'd like them to get dripped a little bit of content about me and my business before they get to me. So my favorite one, two punch of content that people get, and you can just add this in as an email autoresponder to your calendar system and get it sent out the moment they book and then get one sent out the very next day is my favorite combo is the case study the first day followed by the get to know me on the second day. So the, the case study is where, you know, you say, Hey, thank you so much for, for booking a call with us on X day. Um, while you're waiting, we'd really love it. If you would go through this piece of content below, it shows how we took a a person just like you and we were able to accomplish X, Y, Z over the course of six months. And, and you can either take them to a report, to a video, to a PDF, you know, whatever you want that basically shows that, you know, we were able to accomplish 
you know, what this person thinks that you might be able to help them with in a certain time frame with a real life example. Cause Beautiful. then, you know, what they do is they go, holy cow, like look at the results that person got. We all know that, you know, facts tell and stories sell, right? They're reading somebody else's story. Right. Right. Because buying comes from, from this, the, the limbic system where we tell stories, right. You know, trust and credibility. Yeah, and the trust so, is a lot higher when it's someone else saying it versus you. Absolutely. For sure. Right? We know this. Absolutely. So I like them to consume that, that case study. And then maybe on the follow-up autoresponder email the next day, I like to give them the opportunity to get to know me a little bit better. So background things bio, that, things like that. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I put in my, um, you know, in my email follow-up is I say, Hey, um, before we meet tomorrow, a lot of people like to get to know me as a person a little bit better. And I think the best way we can do that is watch this interview with me and Mike Dillard on his podcast two months ago, you know? And so now they're getting to see me interact with another human, nothing canned on the spot, you know, see what my personality is like, what my, what my core being is like, and they can decide if they resonate with me as a human being. And what that allows me to do is filter away the people that don't resonate with me as a human being, but really amp up the connection with me as a human being. Now, maybe you haven't been on a podcast. Maybe, you know, you could do, you know, talk about your core beliefs or, you know, your, your, your company mission. It could vision. be as simple as the bio on your website if you don't have those assets, right? Sure. It's just, it's, it's where you've come from, why you do what you do. Like you, sometimes people do a good job of that on their website, just statically in text. Absolutely, right? Sure. Get to know me a little bit better, right? So um, that one-two combo punch of case study and get to know me better is so profound because when they actually get with me on a Zoom call, they feel like they know me mm -hmm. and, and ideally what they feel like at that juncture is that I'm an authority that can help them and it, and it shifts the positioning from the me trying to close them more to the position of they like and trust me and they want to know if they're a good fit for my business model. Yep. Love it. Um, so, I'm going to add one more to the mix on pre-call. Sure. This is depending on if you're a published author of any kind, right? This is really helpful if you have a book. Even if it's just a free report or a guide, some sort of content or value um, that a lot of authorities have today is in that little process of leading up to the call, hey, here's a digital copy of my book or here's a copy of my free report, right? Additionally, you mentioned the case study. You can have a, a web page built with case studies, plural, on it. That's something we did recently for, for Pipeline Pearl for our company is we and we continue to add to it. So it's becoming an archive. Every time we do a case study, it gets added. Like now we have a portfolio of case studies. So now we can just send that website link to someone anytime and they can see not just a case study, but multiple case studies and they can dissect them by headline. Maybe they see a headline that grabs them like, hey, how did this girl go from, you know, spending $1,000 a day on Facebook ads to, you know, making $10,000 a day as a, a, an ROI, right? They can see those headlines on the case studies and they can choose the one they want, right? So published asset, case studies, as you mentioned, then obviously a get to know me. And, and the caveat on the get to know me thing is if it's not just business and it's personal as well, family, kids, pictures, some sort of this is a real human being. We talk a lot here on the show about humanizing your sales process. We talk a lot about that. The more you humanize all of this, what Aaron's calling pre-sale stuff, the more that the, their guard comes down and they feel like, you know, this is just a regular cool guy or girl that I, you know, feel like I have a similar story or I feel like I can trust them or they're the real deal. They don't seem so stuffy and, 
and boxed in and cold. And I feel like they'll be easy to talk to. That's what you want to create. Absolutely. You just want a, an easy, free-flowing conversation where the person is legitimately excited to talk to you by the time you know we get to a Zoom. And if you yep. work for a company, a lot of companies actually have like some type of a, a emotional you know, asset they've created. Like that's why companies have like lots of, you know, charitable video, you know, you know, um, montages or the CEO talking about their mission or whatever is yeah. you can attach something like that. in and say, you know, this is an opportunity to get to know my company a little bit better and, and roll out something. Like that. So whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're selling for an organization, typically there are assets there or, or they can be created to accomplish this one-two punch. Right. And, and it, what's funny about this pre-call thing is for any of you that do public speaking, Aaron and I have probably done, God combined, we've probably done 300 plus events from big to medium to small, right? And one of the things that the best speakers in the world have always done is they pre-frame their, they pre-frame them, they pre-frame them stepping on stage. How do they do that? They would always have like a little trailer, you ever remember this technique, Aaron? I mean, it's been a while for us on stage for, for everybody, right? Is they have this little trailer that's really a social proof trailer. Could be a minute, could be two minutes. It's never more than about two minutes. And, and they play it as they announce the speaker. So they might say, you know, our next speaker is Aaron Parkinson. And before he takes the stage, we're going to play a quick video. And that video is your pre-sale philosophy here. It's basically showing case studies, them on stage, social proof, all of their accomplishments, authority. It's kind of a bragging thing, but what that does is it gets the audience pre-framed already into, you know what, this guy doesn't even have to say a word and he's the real deal or she's the real deal. That's what the pre-sale philosophy does on a one-on-one -on -one session, just like it does from stage. And it's very powerful. And I can tell you firsthand, almost no one's doing it. Yeah, they're booking calls further, and then they're showing up on the call. It's that simple. There's nothing yeah. happening except the confirmation email. And there's a lot of different creativity that you can think about, about how to make that even better. And Lots. I think back to that event we went to in San Diego, mm -hmm. Andrew, where uh, Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, was one of the um, one of the, the keynote speakers. And, and you and your history, you actually worked with Jordan Belfort, you know, after uh, after you weren't working after the illegalities, I worked with him. I, I, I was not around during his Wolf of Wall Street days. No, but when I met him and we worked together in the mortgage business in New York for about a year, actually about six months, we worked together in a mortgage company and it was like, he had just been sentenced. Like the whole thing was, was real and he was getting ready. Like he was working to make some money before he was getting shipped to California to do like 19 months or something. It was kind of a crazy scenario, but I learned a lot, obviously. Yeah, and, and, and I actually worked with Jordan for a year um, analyzing and, and working with him on his, his straight line theory sales uh, process, you know. Straight line about, pitch, yeah. About five years ago. I don't know, maybe a little bit longer than that. Anyway, my point is that um, he was the keynote speaker at the event, and, and, and it hadn't been announced. And, and what uh, Frank Kern sent out before we got to that oh, event was yes. Sent, the first this copy technique. of the Wall Street. I'm so glad you brought this up. Forgot right? about that. And I remember I got it in the mail and I was I was booked for that event and I got this package in the mail and I opened up and it just had a note that said, make sure you read this before you get to the event. And the book was hilarious. Um, I think it was significantly... It was, the, the book was a novel. If you want it to be entertained, if you like novels, I love mystery novels. That's a beauty. Not nothing. Yeah, it was it was hilarious and ridiculous and over the top, even more so than the movie. And um, the books always go deeper, more detail, right? 
Absolutely. And, and I read it before I got to the event and I had no idea who this guy was until I read the book. And then I got to the event and I assumed he was going to be showing up. And then when we got to the event and he did his, his speech on stage and then he pitched um, his right. straight line theory sales coaching program, I was so far sold ahead of time. It, it could have been $8 million and I would have bought it because I had read the book. Yep. Now I got to meet him in person. I was so pre-sold. It was crazy. That's a masterful job of using the mail, the good old-fashioned snail mail, to pre-sell or pre-whatever you call it, pre-call. They were pre-selling Jordan for that event. That was a, You're right. That was a phenomenal. I'm so glad you brought it up. It, it was, And it was three of us. It was me, you, and Greg, remember? We yep. were all going together. And we were like, guys, did you get this book in the mail from Frank Kern saying this yellow book called The Wolf of Wall Street? Who's this Jordan guy? I knew who he was. I told you guys. And you're like, oh, that's him. Because I was in New York at the time, right? I lived in New York when all that went down. And I'm like, guys, read the book. This story is nuts. I've heard bits and pieces because I lived in New York when it all went down, but I was in college at the time. But it's like a famous story on Long Island. And we all, interestingly, the three of us devoured the book as if we have time to read novels. We all read the novel pre-event. And like you said, we got to the event and we were like, man, what, like, what's next, right? We're, 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 we were anticipating and we were hungry for more. Absolutely. And that's what we want to be creating here is getting your prospect hungry to hear more. Absolutely. It was, and it's just an example of a masterful way to pre-sell before I got to the pitch. You don't have to go that far, but you can be creative. So that's why I'm just sort of throwing yeah. out ideas that I've seen, you know, along the way. So let, let's move into the actual sales call itself, right? For me, everybody has a different approach to this. This is what's worked best for me, right? So for those people that are going to send me hate mail or post on social and say, you don't know what you're talking about, I've sold a few things to a few people and, and this is just what works best for me, right? So for me, once obviously we've got all the tech set up, you know, all the follow-ups are in place, you know, I like to make sure that people get at least three email follow-ups and two texts to remind them of the appointment. That's what allows us to have that 60% show rate or higher in our process. A lot of higher. people don't put those things in place. That's one of those things that Pipeline Pro does. Reminders leading up are critical. People are busy today. That's the tech. Yeah. Every, every time I, I talk to a client and I ask them what their show rate is, if they say it's anything less than 60%, I already know what the problem is. Mm -hmm. They've got no follow-up emails going out. They've got no pre-selling. They've got no follow-up SMS reminding of the appointment. I, I know automatically those things are not in place yep. and if they're not at 60% or higher. Agreed. So that's something that, that Pipeline Pro does for you automatically, which is why it's so effective. So they show up and I'm super chill when those calls start, right? I'm, I'm, it's like I'm having a conversation with somebody's buddy they just introduced me to. Exactly. You know, I welcome them. You know, I ask them where they're Zooming me from. You know, I'll, I'll point out some things maybe I see in their background or, or if they did an application or something ahead of time, you know, some notes that they made. I'm just looking to establish rapport, right? I'm trying to bring the guard down. People are often just as nervous to meet you as you are nervous to do the sales calls. I'm just trying to like make it conversational and chill and, and relaxed, right? So, you know, that, that first chunk, I'd call it the first, you know, 20% is really just about bringing guard down, little bit of chit chat, little bit of pointing out things you see. And then often what I'll do is I'll lead into, hey, I don't know how much you know about me. So I'm just going to give you a quick one minute background on me and who I am and why we're here today. And I'll literally give them like the last 10 years, like, this is what I did. This is this was the result. This is what I did. This is the result. This is who I've worked with. And these were the results. 
you know, I'm establishing the authority that I know what I'm talking about. And I think that too many people rush right into, let's talk about why you're here, right? If the person doesn't believe that you're an authority right from the get-go, their guard is still way too up to be diving into the nuts and the bolts, right? I want people to be fully comfortable that they're not wasting their time going into that conversation before that conversation starts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'll talk about how I had the education platform in 80 countries with 100,000 students and I sold it. And then I, you know, I launched a a nutrition company with 600,000 users worldwide. And, you know, then I launched an e-commerce business that did $10 million in revenue in its first 16 months. I want them to understand they're talking to the right person. Right. Right. Agreed. And if you don't have those things to lean on, I'm sure your company has those things to lean on. They don't have to be massive. They just have to give some background on who you are and, and establish that you know what you're talking about. You're turned on. You have experience. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have those things, leverage somebody else's above you. Leverage your companies, leverage small wins or victories or recent wins or victories. They just want to know that, that you're the authority, right? Yep. That first whole piece of rapport and authority is so important. So the person just goes, ah, I'm talking to the right guy or girl. Would you agree? I totally agree. And, and again, so few do it because their heads get in the way and they feel like they're bragging or they feel like they don't want to hear that. Or they feel like they just want to know about this product and service, right? So they, like we talk about a lot on the show, is the sales process will normally get rushed. They'll rush into the deliverable instead of what you just said. Building rapport, asking questions. I'm the same exact way as you. Our personalities are identical. Like me talking to you right now, Aaron, is absolutely no different than me being on a stage or me being on a one-on-one sales call or me being on a call with a client. When you can get to a level where you don't change for anybody, you speak to your family, your friends, and clients in the same comfortable way. You don't have to change and put on like a new suit for this person and then be, you know, I don't want to say that that's fake. It's just uncomfortableness, right? When you can get comfortable being the same person all the time, I've had people come up to me and go like, like look, you're this, like, I don't really know you, but you're the same on stage as you are in person as you are on a Zoom. How, like, there's no like, and I'm like, yeah, because I've been doing this for so long. I've just gotten really comfortable with people. It's not even about being comfortable selling. It's about getting comfortable with people and communication. And when that happens, you get to these calls and you're like, maybe there's a fit, maybe there isn't. I don't really have emotional attachment to it, right? There's, there's a level you get to that, that you, you, where you don't change. And again, back to the point is I do think a lot of business owners or a lot of sales professionals, mainly novice sales professionals will rush to the deliverable, like you said, and they won't take the time to build rapport. And they won't take the time to build credibility. And they, they're really, they're going to lose a big piece of the, the persuasion process there, the setup, if you will. Yeah, the, the, the authority establishing and the, and yeah. the rapport establishing. And, and it's, I, I love the way that you outline that where it's like you're the same everywhere you go. I went, I went to the, you know, I go every year to the Ritz-Carlton to plan my goals and plan my year. And I just kind of find different spots in the hotel to, to map it all out. You know, I've done that for the last 10 years. I love years. that, man. I got that picture last week you sent me on a Sunday morning. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm like, it was on like this big oak desk that looked like it was from a castle. And then I could see this room that was like a mile long that looked like it was a castle. And then I didn't realize that's where you were, but I've known you've done this technique for a little while. And it was cool to see the picture when you sent it to me of like you with a good old fashioned notebook and pen big list of things 
you reached out to me, said, here's a couple things that we want to talk about for our business. And then that was pretty cool. It's good that you do that because it's a really great way to disconnect and stay focused and not be disturbed. Yeah, absolutely. And to put yourself in state, like when yeah. I'm here, I know this is what I'm here to do. And it puts me in that creative state. That's a different conversation yeah. for, for a different, for a different show. But, um, you know, going back to the, to the authority and the relax, I love the point where you're like, be the same across the board, right? When, when you're trying to be a different person than you actually are in your sales presentation, People subconsciously feel that. And the reason why I brought the Ritz Carlton up is that I was out by the pool. I was talking to the general manager here at the Ritz and Cayman, who I, I've, I've loosely known for, you know, about 10 years. And he said to me, I've never asked you what you do. And I said, well, I own a digital marketing company and we help businesses generate leads and structure sales funnels and processes to maximize return on their investment. And we do it at scale for, you know, these types of companies. And he immediately said, could I hire you to fill the hotel? And because I'm so natural in telling people what I am and I'm not changing my tonality, I'm not becoming a new person and changing how I speak is very natural for me. He instantly felt like I, maybe there was an opportunity for us to work together. And, I, and quite honestly, I said, bro, you have like vaccination problems yeah. and social hospitality, man, brutal travel problems. Yeah. Like I'm good at what I do, but that might be even too big of a mountain for me to climb at the current especially now. Yeah, especially now. You know, but he was ready to buy right on the spot because I know who I am. I know what I do. I'm very comfortable in the delivery. I don't change, you know, and make people feel awkward or weird, you know, when we're talking about the process. When you can get into that consistency, it's so much easier. You're in the zone at that point. That's where you are. Just like athletes say, when I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone, right? With that, That's to me the zone. When you can be on a sale, and it's a sales presentation, it's a, it's a very tense thing for most business owners because sometimes this is the sale they need to make that maybe keeps the company afloat or that they need to pay bills or that, I mean, this is sometimes businesses are, it's that tense. So this is a really important piece of the puzzle. If you can get in the zone during a sales presentation from stage in front of a group, one-on-one -on, -one on a Zoom like we're talking about here, um, that's something you want to strive to do sooner than later. And I don't think it's going to happen, frankly, by just you continuing to show up. There's a level of training in mastery and some development that you have to go through to make that happen. Now, for me, I got a lot of that comfort by doing professional speaker training a long time ago. And you remember because this, you know, we I was speaking at your events, right? So, so for and this, and by the way, public speaker training is communications training. There's a little bit of being comfortable on stage and there's a lot of body language stuff. Remember, we did uh, we did that amazing speaker training, Aaron, in New York. Yep. Uh, speak yep. easy. Well, um, Two-day boot camp, uh, oh, it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. They bring in, it, it, it's, it's a kind of communication and speaker training where they bring in CEOs, professional athletes who are ready to make the move into broadcasting. It was that kind of caliber training. Very expensive. We went a group of about 10 of us and everything is videotaped, right? And the reason everything is videotaped is because you need to see your body language. And again, for stage, it's a little bit different, but it's the same elements, right? So for you, if this is a, an uncomfortable thing, to do presentations, one-on-one is very uncomfortable for people. One-to-many, like if there's a group of them, is even more uncomfortable. And being on a stage, people would rather die, I think the statistics are, right? So, so it, right, you, you want to get some coaching around this. You could, you could, and I don't know if you can do this now, but you can join a local Toastmasters group. You can do some online training. I hired a coach even. Like I did Toastmasters, private coaching, 
and corporate public speaking coaching in New York, all within like a two-year window, because I wanted to crack the code not only on public speaking, but also on presentation skill. Because again, it's communication training, not just public speaking training. So for you, you might need to disconnect and go through some training to get this right, because preparation leads to comfortability. If you're prepared because you've trained, then you become comfortable. You don't just get comfortable. You have to train to be comfortable. You think Tom Brady sits back there in the pocket 21 years later, and he's just like, la, 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 la. The guy, it's like second nature now. He's done it so much that being in the pocket is probably more comfortable to him than being in his bed. Well, and and you you did something earlier today. You found some sound effects, and I want to make sure that Ooh, we, baby. That we you utilize the sound effects Dude. when a gold nugget has been put out. And I'm about to put out a gold nugget that you just said, so I want to hear the sound effects. I was just testing effect. it there. I was just testing it. I was just testing it. Are we doing one? Did, I, did you hear it? No. Man, did it, really? Did you hear it? Yeah. I was just testing well, it. Hopefully our, our, our listeners. Well, I think the listeners here here. The gold nugget that you put out there is you were recorded – doing those for two years and you had to watch yourself. Oof, brutal. Right? Your your next 10 that you do as a listener, record it on Zoom because you should send the recording to your prospect anyway so they can go back and reference what was said there. Great point. That's, that's a gold nugget right there. And the second gold nugget is watch yourself. Ask yourself, do I look comfortable? Do I look confident? Was I listening? Was I analyzing and assessing the situation correctly? How was my transition? And the first, you know, ten, five or ten times you watch yourself is painful. Painful. But you don't know what you don't know. So if you watch yourself and you write down, hey, you know, I, this part right here is clunky, or this part right here, I, you know, I, I wasn't on my game. Then you can you can start to analyze where your weaknesses are and then focus on improving them moving forward. Really good point. Um, most people, again, will not watch themselves because it's like, oh, I don't want to go there. What I don't know can't hurt me, but really what you don't know will hurt you, and you need to go there. And I'm glad you brought that up because, again, most of the presentation that is happening today is right here on a one-to-one Zoom session. You are a sales advisor in your company. You want to master this and get this right, and you want to get the right training for you and your team because this is what's going to lead to the most amount of revenue is having a sales having a sales process um, that's in person to some degree that win. It's a winning sales process. So we call this the anatomy of a perfect sales call because the sales call will be the driver of all the revenue at the end of the day. The product and service, maybe it's great. Maybe it's okay. It can always be better. But really where the money is, is on getting the people to be comfortable presenting the product and service because the more they're comfortable, the more they'll sell, the more they'll attract and the bigger your business will be. This is the heart and soul of it all. Well, and, and here's a little indicator. Do you know what athletes love watching on television? They love watching replays of themselves scoring a touchdown or making that sweet pass yeah. or whatever the case may be. They love re-watching that self. I remember when, when Daniel Cormier won the UFC light heavyweight champion and I went up to his room um, the next morning. The first thing he wanted to do was re-watch his fight with me and re-watch them putting the belt around his waist. Yeah. They love that. That makes you know sense. Because they – they can see their success in replay. If you can get to the point where you love listening to your own self and watching your own self on sales calls and podcasts where you're like, man, I look good. Man, that was some that was some fire I dropped right there. I love watching replays of myself. And some people will be like, oh my God, that's the most like, you know, <laughs> ridiculous, egomaniacal thing is. No, no. 
I'm fully confident and happy with everything I put out there. So if you want to put another podcast of me with, with somebody else on, I'll listen to it all day. Because I'm like, damn, I, I sound good right there. And listen, you can call it egotistical. You can call it you know whatever you want. But at the end of the day, that's how you improve it. It's how you check in with yourself. I watch, the, I watch our whole episode. My team makes me watch it like the next day because we, we, we make a trailer and they want to know what's, you know what's like the best three, four minute clip you want. And sometimes they try to do it, but they really never get what we want. Right, so I go through it, but I go through it because I want to see it. But I also want to go through it to make sure I'm not uh, me, and you know, you do the same thing. I want to make sure I'm not stumbling anywhere. I want to make sure, and again, this is from speaker training. I want to make sure I'm not using what's called in speaker training verbal graffiti. Do you know what verbal graffiti is? It means when you start umming and ung and you nose, and it's like you sound like you're speaking broken English. You don't recognize that when you speak because it's second nature. That's called verbal graffiti. And if you watch your presentation and you find that you're dropping ten yenos. And 14 likes and you know ums and ahs and y- yada yada yada. It's called lip smack in, in verbal graffiti. You will be like, I said I was doing that. It took like a year of watching myself speak and present. I couldn't even believe that this is the way I spoke. This was 10, 12 years ago, right? Now I am conscious of verbal graffiti. I use it once in a while because this is a very casual show. But if I was on stage, you wouldn't hear any. No way. If you were on stage, you wouldn't hear any either because you've gone through this process too. And again, this leads back to the way you communicate your products and services. You don't get a second chance to make that first impression. So you need to be razor sharp here. And it won't just happen because you want it to, although that's a good first step. It will happen because you've committed to it and you've now found the training outlets and the people who can help you get really good at presenting and communicating. And that's the name of the game. Absolutely. Let's let's get on. into now the closing, okay? Because well, people are the, the second part of the sales call, which I really feel is the most important part. Yeah, that's me asking them why you're here, right? And and it is as casual as that. Once I've established who I am, what the authority is in the equation, then I will simply say to them, Andrew, thanks for joining me on the Zoom today. Tell me a little bit about yourself, what you got going on in, in XYZ, your business or whatever the sales process is right now yep. and where you're finding the biggest challenges. And then I just stop talking Love and it. I just let them go. And and while they're filling me in, I'm, I'm listening. I'm not just listening to their voice. I'm listening to what they're saying and trying to pick out what the real problems are. And I'm making notes of what those real problems are so I can circle back around on them later. And if I need clarification, I'll ask for clarification. If they just keep rambling on, I'll interrupt them where I need to so that they don't get lost in their own thoughts and I keep establishing rapport. You know, if they say something that, that, that I've run into before, you know, I'll say, you know what? I had a client like that before, exact same issue. What we did was we did this and this and this and this and this. And within three months we solved the problem. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping them on the same wavelength as me while they're telling me their issues, their problems and their pain points. And I'm really trying to zone in on what the biggest issues are. And once I have, I'll look back at my notes. I'll repeat those core issues back to them. I'll clarify that those are correct. And then I'll make a suggestion as to what I think needs to happen in order to rectify those issues with enough detail that they understand. I know what I'm talking about, but not so much detail that I'm on for the next two hours. Right. Right. That might be a a 20 minute diagnosis out of an hour call. Boom. I put it back to them. And now what they're saying in their head is he listened. He understands my business. He understands my pain points. And he understands how to fix it. And that's what I'm trying to define at that point. And if I think I can solve those problems, that's the key. 
If I think I can solve those problems, now we're moving into, you know, the diagnosis side. Okay. Here's what I would do. I would do X, Y, and Z. We've done this with multiple clients before, blah, 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 blah. This is what that, this process would look like, right? We would bring you in the first two weeks. We do this. The next two weeks we do this. The next two weeks we do this. We get to the outcome here. Here would be the processes that we use in between. Does that sound like something that you want to do? No, I don't want to do that. Cool. Let me, let me stop you because that was a really important question you just asked, right? It wasn't, what do you think? Here's the price. It was different. It was very conversational what you just did right there. As you said, this is what we would do in that scenario. You said, is that something that you would like to do? Another one I like is, is that something you feel, keyword, is that something you feel could benefit the business? Right? right? You see where we're going right there? Most novice salespeople now will say, and the price is this, what do you think? And they'll jump oh, yeah, yeah. too soon, don't to, right? They don't go to price yet, absolutely not. The other, the other question that sometimes people use there that I like is, do you think you'd be better served doing that on your own or would you like my help in executing it? Good one too, a little either or scenario, right? Right, because most people don't wanna do it on their own anyway. They well, listen, they're on, the, they're, they're on that call because they're looking for help in, right. in most but cases. But I've given them some concrete direction, which they could theoretically go in and implement. But if they want to in, 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 in increase the speed yep. and increase their chance of getting results, they know they're better off to do it with me because I've already established the authority. I've already told them what their problem is and I've already told them what I'm going to do. Right? Yeah. So I want to get the commitment from them that, that I have diagnosed this properly and they want to do it and they want to do it with me, right? At that point and only at that point if we're the right fit. If we're not the right fit, I'm, I'll tell them to go you know, meet with some other people or give them some other resources and tell them to come back to me in three, four months when they're ready yep. you know, to, to talk to me again. But if I, if I feel like they're a good fit for what I want, then I'll say, okay, now let me, t let me tell you what it looks like to engage with me. And then here's the crazy thing. I don't tell them about price. Not yet. I go, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to send you a proposal. You're going to read through it. You're going to see if you have any questions. If you don't have any questions, you go ahead and sign it. Then I walk them what, through what their first two weeks in working with us look like. You're going to get onboarded. You're going to get it. You're going to get introduced to this person in my team. We're going to do an outline for you. We're going to meet with your team and my team. We're going to talk through the strategy. We're going to do this, 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 and then this is what's going to happen. And then, so now they're seeing in their mind what's going to happen and how smooth this process is going to be in working with me. And the very last thing I talk about is price. Now, let me, let me explain to you how our cost structuring works. Right. Now, let me stop you there again. So what Aaron's doing right there is he's doing what's called future pacing. What he's doing is he's putting the prospect into the, the mind space of here's what it could look like on the path to achieving this, this goal or this objective versus putting the price out there too fast and never giving the client a chance to maybe in their mind live in that little space of here's what it would look like to be able to solve this problem. Right? Absolutely. Very important persuasion technique. Don't think for a minute, everybody, that 
this is just a you know hang out it, have a you know hang out by accident yeah it like like yes we want comfortability yes you want it to feel friendly but this isn't hang out and just let, let it fly and go wherever there does need to be structure and, and intention to this and and sales is persuasion it's just not aggressively pushing somebody it's per the future pacing thing is brilliant because it's it's persuasion you're persuading somebody into making them think okay this could be a good scenario of how that works out i like the process or i don't like the process but if you throw price out there price always puts resistance up right away right it, it, so, it's just the way we're wired right as soon as price comes up we're always like ah so you want that I'm to happen removing, at the end i'm removing questions from their buying decision ahead of time and i'm also making them feel good about what's next, right? I diagnosed mm -hmm. their problem. I told them what I'm going to do, what I would do to fix the problem. I've asked them if they would like to solve that problem. I've asked them if they'd like to work with me to solve that problem. Then I've showed them how smooth the execution of solving that problem is going to be. And then I'm going to tell them about the price. Yep. Right? Yep. So then at that point, I say, this is the price. This is our, you know, our agreement. It's, it's no, you know, it's 90 days or whatever the case may be, blah, 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 blah. And then I, and then at that point, I just say to them, at this point, would you like to move forward? And then I stop talking. Or it's, what are your thoughts? Any, your thoughts? Is any, it, is any questions? Um, or when would you like to get started? Do you see this as a fit? Yeah, kind of old school is, <laughs> I'm laughing because I remember when we were, we were trained as young stockbrokers back in New York. We were always trained. This is kind of like that hard closing environment that you don't really need to do today. Um, but they would they would they would train us on. You know, there was never like you would set the question up where there was never a no. It's kind of funny, right? It was always yep. like like and I, and I think the way we did it, like back then, it was you'd, you'd be setting up an account for somebody. So it wouldn't be like, "What do you think?" or "Let me know your feelings." It would be like, "So how do you want to title this account?" Right? It was like an automatic. What do they call that? There's a in the old school days of selling. It's a there's a name for that close. It's like an assumptive close where like there is no yes or no. It's just, you know, he's, there's no option for a yes or no. It's just, you know, which credit. So would you like that on a visa or on a MasterCard? Like there's no option for no. <laughs> yeah, and, that's, and, and I used to, use, oh man, uh, I, I used to use, are you in or are you out? Yeah. Right. And that's a little bit, it's all a little rougher on the edges today. It's a little, it's a little novice. Edges, it's a little right? novice. So now I'm at the point where I, I just, you know, I'll say something along the lines of, Based on everything we've talked about today, I think you're a great fit working with us and I'm confident that I can achieve the outcome that you want to have. So, you know, we onboard people every Monday. Is this something that you'd like to do? And would you like to start this Monday or the following Monday? Good. Right. And, and then I just, I, I let them answer the question. Now here's the caveat. When can you close? It depends on the complexity of your offer and the pricing of your offer. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're selling something for a thousand dollars or less, that's more of an impulse credit card decision. Yeah. Probably right? take payment right there even. Right. So you should be able to collect that decision and payment with a one call close. In my particular case, you know, we're talking about a 30 to, to hundred thousand dollar decision, right? There is no chance somebody's making that decision outside of a few outliers, very rare mm -hmm. on a one call close. So I don't even go for the close, right? If they say, yeah, this sounds really, really interesting to me. I say, great, here's going to be the next steps. I'm going to create a proposal for you. I'm going to have my team send it over to you. I want you to review everything that's in there, everything that we've discussed right now. 
why don't we put an appointment on the calendar in three days? It'll give you an opportunity to review it, talk to your business partner, talk to your spouse, talk to whoever you got to talk about. If any questions come up, you can put them together for me. How does Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern work for you? Oh, that works great. Okay, great. Let's put it on the calendar. I always put it on the calendar before I leave the call. I never leave the call without putting it on the calendar. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So now they know they have a deadline in their head to follow through on what I just told them they had to do. Right? And on the Friday, if they show up, which if you're doing this properly, 95% of people do, I already know that the sale is made if I want the client. That being the key word there, if I want the client. Because I'll go back and review it and go, do I really want this client? Do I not want this client? Okay, yeah, I want this client. If they show up and I want the client, 95% of people on that second call are closing. You know, they may have a couple questions or they may have some financing questions or whatever, but, but they're closing, right? And, and, and if you try to jump into like a, a $1,000 plus decision on that first call, it, it, it feels high pressure because – the decision doesn't match the logical amount of time to review the education. Mm -hmm. And by the way, this segues perfectly now into post-call, which looks just like pre-call because now there's that window again where most yep. people do nothing in that window. And now you have that window to continue to keep interest, emotion, and credibility high. You do nothing, it just starts to dwindle. Let's say it's a Wednesday to, what would you say, like a Monday and a Friday, let's say? You had the the, the, the first call on a Monday and the next one was scheduled for a Friday, four days out, three days out, somewhere in that area. So now what you want to be doing is building communication that drips out, preferably, right, automated, that stays in front of them and maybe adds additional case studies, right? Yep. It, it's almost like what you did for the pre, you kind of have to do it again, you double but you're down doing it from a different angle now because now they've, now they've seen everything you offer versus just getting to know you, but it's the same methodology of putting a couple pieces of email and text communication in place, preferably automated. It's what our software does. One of the reasons we created it is so that this process can be nailed from front to middle to back, right? And, and now get that in place so that A, they're getting the reminders to show up. Again, the hold we talked about in the beginning is a lot of times there's just a confirmation email and then nothing for three days. We want an email, a text, we want an email the day before. We want an email an hour before. We want to text the day before. We want to text the hour before. It's a countdown, right? But in addition to it being a countdown, it might include some case studies. It might include some before and afters, right? If you're, most people have like a before and after scenario that they could definitely display. So you, so you really want to think about architecting this in a pre, during, and post way. And I always look at this, the analogy I like to give here is that you are designing this like you are the producer of a $100 million movie production. Anytime I build a webinar for, for me, for us, for a company, or even for a client, I look at it like I'm writing the script to a blockbuster movie. Sales process to me, not a lot different. Pre, during, and post, if you design that out like you're writing the winning script for a blockbuster launch, that's, that's the type of enthusiasm and intention you're going to need to create to be effective today, or you're just going to be another salesperson with just a presentation in a little bit of follow-up, in a little bit of follow-through, but not much. And today, you're going to need to go over the top pretty, pretty, pretty heavily because you're 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 not the only choice in town anymore, regardless of what business you're in. There's nobody that is, you know, probably not commoditized to some degree. And and I want to wrap this call because we're getting to the the the, or the call the show. Wrap the show at the uh, 
<laughs> as close to the top of the hour as we can. The, the last thing I'm going to leave this with is your own personal psychology. Obviously, money plays a role in this. When you're just getting started, you're like, oh, I got to make that sale. I got to make that sale. I got to make that sale. But regardless of how well you're doing, you have to put yourself mentally in that place of you're already doing amazing because there's three th – they say that dogs and bees can smell fear, right? Mm -hmm. I would say it's dogs, bees, and, and a prospect on the other side of the line. <laughs> They can they smell fear. I like that. Almost like sharks fear. can smell fear, right? Okay. We'll, show, we'll throw yeah. sharks in there too. Um, so sharks, dogs, bees, and prospects, right? Obviously, if you've got tons of money, then naturally you're not worried about the outcome. But until you do, you have to really train yourself to be in that mental space. Every person that schedules a sales call or a strategy session with me, I expect they're going to become a client. I'm going to do great work for them. And they're going to pay me tons of money. I expect that every single one. I'm like, Oh, look, another sale just popped up on my calendar. It's not a sale. It's a call. But in my mind, it's a sale just popped up. That's already my expectation, hmm. but my attachment to it is zero. Who's egg? Zero. And that takes some time, by the way, that is easier said than done. We know we could do a whole show on, emotional attachment to the end result and how that hampers a business owner or a sales professional more than anything else, right? I mean, we could do a whole show on that. Yeah, but your goal is to get to that point where you're just, like you said, the same person talking to your neighbor as you are talking on a sales call, as you are talking to the owner of the Ritz-Carlton when you're on vacation. Nothing changes. And, and you can help everybody and you expect that everybody's gonna become your client. And you also know that there's a lot of people you can't help. They're not a fit, no biggie. There is right. no biggie either way. Nope. There's no, Zero there's no, when I was playing football in college, the one thing I remember that, that my, my college coach would always say, and it was like every day. And I, I knew now looking back, I know why he did it every day. When we would be like, why does he say this every day? 18 years old. Why would he say that every day? We heard that yesterday. You know how kids are, right? But looking back, you know, it was repetitiveness. You know, always say, guys, listen, there's no peaks and no valleys. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Because playing football, same thing. Emotions can run high or they can run really low. You can get really high or really stay in the middle. No peaks, no valleys. It always stays with it. Same thing in selling. Same thing in anything performance-based is try to stay somewhere in the middle, even keel, poised. No highs, no lows. Easier said than done. Incredibly effective when you can be conscious of it. I think that we can leave it on that note today. We've, we've piled a ton of gold nuggets, yeah. executable information into this, probably worth listening to two or three times if you're not getting the sales close rate that you want. Awesome job, man. And listen, by the way, the last thing I'll say is when you get this right, it is, and I write about this in my book, Sales Velocity. I have people comment on this quite a bit. It is a blend of old school and new school. It is a blend of good old fashioned communication techniques like we talked about and the combination of technology to support you. Old school, new school. I was fortunate, you too, Aaron, that I came up selling before the internet and I still sell with the internet. So I've seen both sides, pre-internet, post-internet. If you can use the internet and digital technology to support and automate a lot of this process, that's the game changer because that gives you leverage in the business. There's a lot of old dogs out there that won't embrace technology and there's a lot of newer dogs out there that won't embrace anything live or in person. And I believe it's the blend of the two 
that will make you the most effective and stand out the most. So yes, we can leave it there. We can visit psychology on this anytime. I think there's definitely a, a couple ideas for future shows I got today, I have to say. Agreed. Good stuff, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this one. It's a biggie. Like Aaron said, it's well worth listening to. Again, the anatomy of a perfect sales call. And again, doesn't matter if it's a call, a one-on-one -on -one Zoom session, a webinar from stage. It's the same communication skill set and psychology that you'll need to win in your sales process. I'm Andrew Cass. That's Aaron Parkinson. We'll see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com. See you on the next episode.